broadcast is now starting. All attendees are in listen-only mode. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Smithink October webinar and podcast episode. If you're joining us live today, you have the opportunity to ask a question at any time. Just use the ask a question function on your GoToWebinar control panel, and that will be answered at the end of the session. If you are viewing the recording or listening to the podcast later, would like to ask a question, feel free to contact contact us directly at smithink.com. Now I'll hand over to David Smith, Smithink Director, to present seven key marketing initiatives for success. Over to you, David. Thanks, Andrea. Good afternoon, everybody. Um, Apologise for my attire. I'm actually in my holiday house in Port Stephens, which is being renovated, so I'm a sort of bit of a tradie today. So um, anyway, the plan for um, the next half hour is to give you um, a few insights, a few thoughts about how to uh, market your practice better. It's it's fair to say that I get a bit stressed when I see practices go out and um, hire a marketing consultant for their firm. And one of the reasons for that is that um, they don't understand how accounting firms work, the nuances associated with accounting firms, and they'll, they'll just tend to take the accounting firm down a sort of standard road that they would do with every, any SME client around looking at logos and letterheads and all of that sort of stuff. Um, and, and in my opinion, it actually misses the point because the most important thing in terms of marketing accounting firms is actually um, what the actual people in the firm do themselves. Because as you all know, and I, I'm sure you all know that the vast majority of work that comes into an accounting firm comes from referrals from clients or networks and the like. And so what we need to do in most of the marketing that happens in accounting firms is to ensure that we're maximising that referral opportunity, that we're getting out and building our networks, that we're um, showing that we're smart and we know um, uh, we, we have all of that quality advice that we can be providing to people. And so a lot of this is about the personal activities about the individuals and then making certain that we actively manage to ensure those individuals do the um, work that we're hoping them, uh, that we want them to do to achieve that referral flow. So I'm now going to go through this presentation and really just they're all ideas associated with that one central idea. And so marketing, therefore, is not about um, fantastic um, marketing consultants. It's about doing basic stuff in a regular way um, uh, and, and being managed more in an administrative sense than in a creative sense. Sure, you still need the creative people to come up with a sexy website and, and um, engaging um, graphics and the like. And yes, you need to do that. But that's, a, that, that's only one small element of the entire marketing mix. So without further ado, let me go through and, and, and give you some um, thoughts about what you need to do to improve your referral flow and your overall marketing of the firm. And so the first thing which I think is just critical is that you need to have a great database. And what I call is a prospect database. I go into so many firms and say, how big's your prospect database? And the answer I get back is, what do you mean prospect database? And so what I would be suggesting is that look at your local area. Surely one of the things that you'd be trying to do in your local area is to have every business in your local area on your database. So that means that um, if you're holding um, a seminar, you're inviting every business in your community. 
if you're sending out a newsletter, it goes to every business in your community. Um, if you're holding a webinar, invitations go to every business in your community. And so I think you should be trying to really build that database. Now, how do you do this? One way of doing it is to turn your entire team into business card junkies. And what I mean by that is that they're, as they're walking around the local community, every time they walk into a business, they lift the business cards off the front desk, they bring them back, and uh, they're all then entered in the database. Some firms even go to the extent of running a competition. I know one firm's that running a competition, the, people, the person who brings in the most business cards wins a prize um, to really try and engender that, uh, that mentality of just talking to people, get their business cards, throw them into the database. Um, so I think um, working on that is a critical element. You can also go and hire a university um, undergrad or something and get them to um, be uh, using um, Google and other tools to look at other businesses in the local community, go to their website and find any email addresses that may be sitting on their website and whack them into your database. So there's multiple ways that you can go about farming um, particular names and addresses that uh, go into your website. Just think about this as well. When you look at your businesses that are sitting on um, inside your practice management system, the question I'd like to ask you is, well, firstly, are all those um, email addresses inside that system accurate and up to date? If not, we need to fix that. But more importantly, let's assume you've got a small business client who's employing 20 people. Why shouldn't you be endeavouring to have all 20 of the employees sitting on your database? so that they're also getting a newsletter, getting invitations to your webinars, um, so that you're engaging with them as well. Because it's not just about engaging with them, it's also who they may know, who, may, who they may then also refer. So a bit of a focus about building a large database is a really smart thing to do. If we look at smithing just as an example, we have um, just on 16,000 email addresses in our database. When we send out a newsletter, I know many people um, poo-poo newsletters and say, oh, well, you know, I get too many of them, I don't read them, and um, it's a, a pointless waste of time. Well, the fact is in smithing, we get a regular open rate of 15 to 20%. And so if you're getting that sort of open rate on a database of 15, 16,000, that means you're getting um, three and a half odd thousand um, um, people looking at the, looking at your content. That's not a bad result. It's not the, always the same three and a half thousand. So you're getting out there and you're putting putting your content, your knowledge, um, and your product offering out in front of a whole lot of people. So that's what I that's the I think a very key element um, to a lot of the rest of what I'll be saying. The next thing that we need to do is have what I call a marketing calendar. Now, this is the, the way that you manage your marketing activity. Somebody in your admin team should be given the name of marketing assistant who is going to manage your marketing activities. This is more about an administrative function than it is about creativity. And so create a big planner on a wall Mark the activities in different colours. You know, when are you going to do your newsletter? What's the lead time for that newsletter? Who is going to write the articles? 
Same for any presentations you're going to do, any seminars you're going to do, any webinars you're going to do. Um, when are you going to network with people? And who are you going to network with? And you do this all out on a big calendar, all in different colours, which means you can look at the calendar and very quickly get a sense that um, you've got um, a good regular activity throughout the year. Because one of the key elements of marketing is you can't turn the marketing tap on or, on or off. You have to consistently market all of the time. In fact, the time you should be marketing the most is when you're the busiest. Because what happens in many firms is you stop marketing when you're busy and then you slowly go down the roller coaster that um, the new leads and activity is not happening because you stopped marketing when you're busy. You then start to market when you're not so busy and then you go back up the roller coaster again. What you want to try and do is create consistent activity all of the time so you're not on that roller coaster. And by having this calendar where you can see that your activities are consistent, um, it's a great way to ensure that it doesn't matter how busy you are, this regular marketing activity continues to occur. Now, I've already mentioned about newsletters, and I know some of you be saying it's a pain in the backside, I hate writing the articles, all that sort of stuff. Well, first thing I'd say is people do read this stuff, whether you, uh, whether you think it or not, particularly your clients. You'll find your read rate amongst your clients is higher um, than average. Um, which is a, a good thing. Um, but the thing which I think is really critical here is don't overdo it. A newsletter doesn't have to contain heaps of articles. It might just be one or two. You can share the work of preparing the newsletters around to everyone in the firm so that over a 12-month period, it doesn't matter whether the most junior person in the firm or the most senior person in the firm, they're all writing one or two articles. So the, the burden has been spread across everybody. The articles don't have to be all technical junk. In fact, that to a certain extent would bore people. They can be articles about what's happening inside the firm and the, the, your contribution to the community, <coughs> as an example. New team members who have joined. Um, some firms have got recipes from a team member. All sorts of different things can be in there, which just communicate not just your technical excellence, but a bit about the personality of the firm. Got to send them regularly. Um, so that they're happening um, all the time on a regular basis. Uh, and what you want to try and do is the, the newsletter itself um, might have the, 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 a snippet about the blog and then a link to the blog. Now, the reason why it's better to do the link to the blog rather than the blog inside the newsletter is that the link takes people back to your, your website. And so they're reading the, the content on your website, which means they're on their website and they might have a look around at other stuff. Um, and then once you've created this content that's in the newsletter, you then publish, uh, you publish it on the, on the digital equivalent of telegraph poles. In other words, you want to put it everywhere. So you, you publish it on Twitter, you publish it on LinkedIn, you publish it on Facebook. Um, you put it out wherever you can put it out because this is a sort of right once use many things. The, the articles are not long, right? The articles of 500 words is what I generally spend time thinking about. Um, and when I'm writing an article, I really focus, um, I spend nearly half the time that I'm writing the article to work out a title. Work out a title that's catchy and interesting and will get people to say, well, that looks interesting, I'm going to read that. And then in 500 words, it's really one essential idea and you just write some comments around an essential idea. 
once you get in the swing of it, it's not difficult to do. It requires discipline. It requires your admin assistant who's helping you here to get out the baseball bat and hit you on the head to ensure the articles are written. Um, and, and then you've got this good, consistent activity happening all the time. Um, I've already really spoken about these blogs, so yeah, it's all just part of writing this content for these newsletters, so I don't really need to talk any more about that. You can, um, and Smithing does this, and um, I'm sure some of you have seen what we do, um, but you can do a newsletter, say, at the beginning of the month, and then maybe halfway through a month, you can send to the same database a different thing, which is not a newsletter, it's a straight promotional piece. So maybe you pick one of your products and services and you write a little piece about that with a call to action to contact you to talk more about that particular uh, activity. Um, so I think there's a lot of merit in just having something that's short, sharp, talks about one product or service and has a call to action in it. And again, send that out to your entire database. And of course, if you're using um, the sort of um, products like MailChimp and others, um, it'll tell you what your open rates and your read rates and, and you should be tracking those statistics and seeing what's working and seeing what's not working and tweaking both your content, the time you, you transmit this stuff, um, so you can really keep refining it over a period of time. Now, I think every firm should also be doing regular events, um, seminars for clients or non-clients, if it's a seminar for clients, always get the client to bring a friend, um, some chance to get in front of non-clients. But this again is an example of having your large database because you can promote the event to a much larger um, a a group of people. Uh, and you can promote this on social media as well, uh, which makes uh, a lot of sense to really, what you're trying to do here is generate as much uh, interest in your event um, as you can possibly can. Um, and once again, share around the work in developing the content uh, and who's going to be doing the presentation um, so that one person is not bearing the load. I'm really convinced that firms need to do regular um, seminars and events with their clients, get them to bring friends, give them a drink at the end so a chance to network, talk to them about, um, uh, about what you're doing and how you can help them. You shouldn't really be running an event unless you have a call to action at the end too. So there needs to be a point to it. You need to give the client another reason to come and talk to you um, to find out more about what you're talking about at the event. But I think events are a critical component of this entire thing. Uh, and of course, you need to be able to speak um, and uh, at your own events but also speaking at other events is a really powerful way to market your, yourself and your firm. Because when people see you speaking at other events, they instantly will think that you're an expert. So it positions you um, high up in the, uh, on the pedestal and people will think, well, that person obviously knows what they're talking about. I better come and talk to them. Um, and so one activity that your administration assistant could could look for is what are the industry events out there that you could put yourself forward to speak at uh, and so that you're able to then uh, really uh, try and get yourself on the speaking agenda. Remembering that 
many of these agendas are set a year in advance. So you need to take a long-term um, view on these things. And then develop your speaking skills. Go and do either an acting course or a public speaking course. Uh, I did that myself in my early 20s. and It was one of the very powerful things that uh, I did. Uh, I was told at the time that um, my speaking style is somewhat unorthodox, but it sort of works, so it gave me confidence to uh, continue on. And the more you do it, the better you get at doing these things. Um, now, in creating these, uh, again, an extension of the same thing is to use webinars and podcasts. Um, as Andrea said at the beginning, we podcast all of these uh, webinars that we do. They go out on iTunes and other podcast platforms. And believe it or not, people do download them because people who live in Sydney and Melbourne in particular are sitting on trains and buses for a long time. And so there's a chance to listen to this stuff while they're, um, they're travelling. Your clients may be in the same category. The idea of running a webinar at sort of 8 o'clock at night after the, the kids have gone to bed, a 20-minute seminar about... Um, insurances, about managing cash flow in a business, whatever it may be, might be quite a powerful thing to do with your clients and other contacts. So um, think about this webinar style thing for your own business in, uh, in driving uh, activity and, and showing your expertise and giving your people a chance to engage. And of course, um, networking is still key. And we all know that we need to get out and we need to network with um, potential referral partners. Uh, and the interesting thing for me is that the firms that do it uh, do achieve um, quite a bit of success, but it requires persistence um, and consistency um, to do so. The good thing for many firms is because the others don't provide that persistence and consistency, that's why they, they achieve success. So this is the banks, this is the lawyers. If you're not doing planning, this might be the financial planners. Um, there's, there's a whole variety of people who are, who are referral partners. You know, I was talking to one firm not that long ago who, uh, who see undertakers as a referral partner, which is sort of interesting, another spin on ambulance chasing, I suppose. But uh, it's, it's really uh, the idea being that the family who might be talking to the undertaker may be somewhat stressed about how to pay for the funeral, but also how to manage the person's affairs um, subsequently. So uh, at a time of high stress, the, the, the undertaker would say, look, I know an accountant who can, might be able to help you with that. So um, there, there is a whole variety of people who could be referral partners and it requires your admin assistant to create a consistent program so you're meeting these people on a regular basis so you stay in front of their mind and so the referrals will happen. It's also important to um, think about them as well. How can you help them? The more you help the potential referral partner, the more it will deliver back to you as well. So I think that um, think strategically about the networking activities that you might do. And you need to also be building your own networks. I, I go into firm after firm after firm, and I, I, I say that I believe every person in your firm, doesn't matter how junior, how senior, needs to have a personal networking initiative. You know, be it um, Toastmasters, be it some small business person's event, be it a sporting club, whatever it may be. And they need to learn their networking skills. They need to be able to have a talk about the firm in a positive way. Um, the broader your network is, the, in fact, I'd go as far as to say that in, from my lens in my age of the years I've been in, uh, in business in the accounting profession, the most important asset that I actually have 
is my personal reputation and my personal network. And I wish I knew that when I was much, much younger, when I was 18, 19, 20, and I really was working on my personal network in a far more active way when I was much, much younger. And I think we should be doing that for all of our team in the firm and helping them understand the need for, for, uh, for building their own personal network. It's great personal development skills anyway to get around and talk, talk to people, understand how to operate in a cocktail party. All of those sorts of things are great life skills and make people uh, better individuals and better professionals. Now, one of the things which most firms don't do very well at all is ask for referrals. And yet, funnily enough, there's two main reasons why clients, clients don't refer. One is they haven't been asked. The second is they think you're too busy. So the second one's easy to solve. Stop telling people you're busy and be like a duck. Paddle hard underwater, be serene on top. And come up with your own mantra. If people ask me um, how things are you know, going for me, and it doesn't matter how busy or not busy I might be, I'll use the same words every time. Things are going really well, thanks. And I'm always looking for new work. So I make it very clear that I'm always out there trying to develop my business. Um, we need to teach our, our, our own um, team members to do this. And you should be on a very regular basis. I reckon every client every year, you should be asking referrals. And I'm not saying um, ask me for a referral, um, please give me a referral. Um, I, I'd be much softer than that. Along the lines of, I hope you are happy with all the work we've done and hopefully the client would say yes. And then I'll be saying, well, we're always looking for new work. If you know anyone who'd value our services, we'd love to talk to them. So it's a pretty soft thing. You're just making it quite clear um, that um, this is of interest to you and that you're really interested in developing your business. And I think you'll find if you consistently do that over time and ask every client, I think you'll find it will develop um, business for you. Now, your website is still obviously really critical. And with the website, um, you need to understand that you've only got 10 seconds to capture your website business, business uh, visitor. So less is more on your homepage. Um, use of graphics, use of limited number of words, have um, calls to action, buttons to press on the, and the like to really get people to engage with your website. The minimum you want with somebody coming to your website is their email address. So are you engaging with them in that way to do that? Go and get the weird creative types to create something really interesting and out there. Take risks to be different to everybody else um, because so many accounting firms' websites all look the same. Take some risks and be a bit different. And then make certain that you've got lots of videos on there, podcasts, have white papers, um, you register for the newsletter, um, testimonials, video testimonials in particular. There's lots of things that you can do here with your website that I think will make um, a big difference. Links to and from your social media platforms. Spend a bit of time really thinking through strategically what your website should be doing. It is your website, not some marketing consultant. So make certain you've thought that through and then get a really good creative person to give you that creative element to make it stand out from the crowd and make it really interesting. Uh, I think I've mentioned most of this slide already. Um, so um, for the benefit of time, I've only got five minutes left, I might move on. Now, 
Um, digital marketing also needs to be considered here. You know, we had you know, years gone by, we had the good old yellow pages that everyone advertised in, and there was all sorts of other advertising uh, activities that people embarked upon. But the reality is Google has won, with maybe Facebook coming second. But um, we need to be really thinking strategically about digital marketing. Um, and I would think that it is uh, incumbent upon you to ensure that you at least are advertising on Google because Google, if somebody is looking for a provider, you know this yourself, the first place you will go looking for a provider if you haven't been referred is that you'll go to Google. The reality is firms are getting referrals off Google advertising. So the good thing about it is if you haven't used Google AdWords, just adwords.google.com and you go and set it all up, um, and the keywords that you want your ad to appear when people type into a website browser. And then you can monitor performance. You only pay per click. So if no one clicks, it doesn't cost you anything. Um, and then over time, you can see which ads people are clicking on. So you can keep modifying the ad. Uh, and uh, over time, you can start to tweak it, to hone it, to give you the result that you might want. It's again something that you need to have a budget where you're going to incur uh, money over time and you can increase or decrease it uh, depending on the performance you're getting. It's a similar world with um, Facebook and Twitter um, and you may want to play around with those as well. I think Google's mandatory. The others I think you can, you can think about. Um, with um, things like Facebook, you can do what's called a boost post, which is to take um, some content you've been written and to um, make that post um, more freely available and more in people's faces. Um, so that's another way of doing it. Um, you can do display ads inside these platforms as well. Uh, and so you might, again, want to use the creative types to help you do a display ad. Um, bear in mind as well that um, you can also do with Google what's called remarketing. Now, some of you may not be aware of what remarketing is, but just think about this. Sometimes you'll go to a website and then um, after, then you'll go to other websites and when you're visiting other websites, the advertising for the first website you went to is appearing. Um, that's called remarketing. You can set up your website to do that so that um, if people visit your website and then they're going to a, the local newspaper or somewhere else, they'll see your display ad. So, and again, there's a, it's a pay per click philosophy. So play around with remarketing um, is um, another way to go. So I've skated through here very quickly, but what I've tried to do is give you some snapshots of stuff that you can do today. You can go out and, and get one of your admin people to start to set up this administrative platform um, of all of the activities, map them out onto your calendar, uh, and then start to um, chop off each one of the things that I've been talking about and start to develop a little mini plan about, right, oh, we need to start doing some Google AdWords. We need to think about some seminars. We need to think about our newsletters. Um, it may take you a year to get the entire program in place, um, but make a start and incrementally start moving to it so that you'll, over a year or so's time, you'll have this great marketing program that's just ticking away. And I can, I can guarantee you that you will get results from it. It just requires that consistency. I look at firms who are doing this on a regular basis and they are getting results from it. It does work. So I hope that's been a help. Andrea, we might uh, just see if there's any questions.
Great, thanks David. Um, I do have a couple of comments here, more than questions. Oh, there's a few coming through actually, so I'll read some out. If anybody would like to ask a question, just type it in and um, I'll read that out for you. Uh, Sal Carrero has said, hi David, long time no see, and made a couple of comments. You can automate marketing, and most websites are really brochures. Yeah, no, I fully uh, agree. Uh, yep. good, to, good to hear from you, Sal. Um, <laughs> and uh, we, we need to have a coffee. Uh, but uh, yeah, couldn't agree more, Sal. The websites, so most of the websites I'll look at, and, and I have this weird life that I look at accounting firms' websites a lot, and many of them are exactly the same. And if you apply the 10 second test, you read about an eighth of, not even an eighth, probably a 16th of what's on the, uh, on the homepage for most accounting firms. Um, that needs to fundamentally change. Great, thanks David. Um, Chris East has said, um, just a comment, we ditched the newsletter that was technical and went to a weekly blog. Have found this has generated more engagement. Yeah, um, Chris, um, good to hear from you too, Chris. I hope you're going well. Um, and uh, I fully agree. I think that's 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 nearly what I'm saying uh, because I'm. Our, if you look at our newsletter, you'll see that there's only one or two blogs in it. Um, we only do it month. We do it monthly, but weekly. I've seen firms do that very effectively as well. Um, for many firms, that's just a bit too much, but uh, in terms of effort. But uh, I'm on that page. It's a, it's a simple one or two um, blogs, and away you go. So fully fully agree with what you're saying, Chris. Great. Um, now, Chris also oh, he asked something about Google Ads, but you answered that one. William has said in accessing clients' contacts from the financial records is this a breach of privacy laws? Uh, I think if if it's accessing from the financial records, it probably would be. I'm no expert on the privacy laws. My daughter, my daughter is, but I'm not. Um, but I think the the law sort of works in the basis that the the email address has to be accessible in a public place, or it has to be given to you in the knowledge that you would use it from a marketing perspective. So if somebody gives you a business card, that's open slather. If somebody, uh, if it's on their website, that's open slather. If it's sitting in a public area in their business, like a reception desk, that's open slather. I think though, in an accounting firm where the client is giving you confidential information, I would err on the side that that confidential information, um, I couldn't use from a marketing perspective. I probably would need to go back to the client and say, is it okay if I did? Great, thanks David. Um, Chris has asked another question. Thoughts on using a virtual assistant rather than an in-house, particularly for management oh, yeah. implementation, not content development? Well, sort of Andrea is a virtual assistant because Andrea doesn't, how far away from you, we're apart, you're 400 k's or something. 800. So, um, <laughs> 800 k's apart. So Andrea, Andrea has worked for Smithick now for 10 years or more. Um, and has never been in the same location. So I'm, I'm a big believer in virtual assistants. Great, thank you. Um, Tony has asked, when you ask a client to refer you, who makes the initial contact and do you reward clients for referrals in some way? Uh, um, to answer the second part of the question first, it depends. If it's a $150 tax return, I'd say thanks. Right. If it's a $50,000 client, I might take them out to dinner. 
and then I might do something else in between. So I think in rewarding, I think you've just got to look at the circumstance. Um, in terms of the first part of the question, I think it's always up to the client to make the first or the, the person who is referring, they've got to go, they've got to say to the, the potential client, look, I think there's a good accountant. Are you interested in talking to them? They've got to make that approach. It won't work if you try and make the approach because the person doesn't know you. Great. Thanks, David. That's all the questions for now. Thanks, Andrea. I might just say too, I was, when I was talking about Andrea being a virtual assistant to us 800Ks away, um, Andrea is also um, providing um, virtual assistant services to other firms. So if you are interested in, uh, in Andrea helping your firm with the sorts of stuff that I've been talking about, because that's what she does for us, um, um, please contact myself or Andrea. I'm sure she'd be delighted to talk with you. So thank you for um, uh, attending this webinar. Um, and um, uh, Andrea will be working this on a podcast and there'll be a recording available shortly. Is that right? That's right. Yes, I'll be doing that later this afternoon. And um, yes, you've all got my contact details if you would like to discuss anything further. Um, and thank you, everybody, for attending. Thanks, David. All right. Thank you all.